talk to you about position versus perception. Position versus perception. <clears throat> and um, this is one that we will end up doing a series on. I will end up going real into depth. I'm not going to get too in-depth tonight. I'm going to give you a few verses to lay a foundation. But your position in Christ is probably something... Uh, I know, you know, I, I grew up in church myself, but I really didn't learn about my position in Christ until I was about 18, 19 years old. And I didn't really know what that meant to be positioned in him. And Paul talks about it all the time. If you read through Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, uh, you know, any of his books, Romans, you'll hear him constantly using the phrase in him or in Christ. Because when you were born again when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were now hidden inside of Christ. Your life has become one with him. And while I'll show you a few verses, I'll kind of lay this foundation. But here's the problem most of us have. And I'm just going to go ahead and let you know tonight, um, as I was studying this today, I just kept getting nuggets going off, man. I felt like I, felt like I was eating off of a Chick-fil-A nugget tray. You know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but it's just a endless awesomeness. It's just great chicken all the way down, and it's like you just could just eat all of it. And, and I was going through this, and I just kept getting nugget after nugget after nugget. I just kept getting different things that the Holy Spirit was showing me, and I'm real excited uh, about this, tonight's message. Let me do this real quick. Let me pray, because we need to prepare our hearts. Amen. You guys have had long days. You guys have been working, and I want to make sure our hearts and our minds are cleared, prepared for what God wants to do. So, Father, I thank you right now that you are speaking to us. It's not me. It's not my words. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just the vessel you're using to declare your word tonight. So, Father, I thank you that we get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our day, off of what's going on in our lives right now, and we focus uh, wholly on your word. We put uh, into focus everything that you have to say tonight. We want no distractions. We want no confusion. We want clarity in your word. Father, I thank you that our hearts are open and our minds are receptive to the word that is spoken tonight. There, are, there is no obstacles. There's nothing standing in the way that we're able to receive everything you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You got to know that the word is a seed, and your heart is the soil. And, uh, you know, there's times, any farmer can tell you that there's times that the soil can reject uh, the seed, or if the soil isn't in condition to take the seed, it will not bear fruit. And you want to bear fruit. You want to be able to take in the seed of the word, so you need to have your hearts prepared. And you got to till that ground. you got to work it. you got to do all kinds of stuff. You're turning it over. Because you want it to bear fruit of the seed that's going in. There's no farmer that goes out just throwing out seeds hoping it does something. There's much preparation. There's much work entailed in making sure that every seed bears the fruit that comes out of it. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. And I don't want this to be a waste of time for you. So we're talking about position versus perception. And God has a position that he's placed you in. When you are saved, when you're born again... Uh, he has placed you in a position. Tonight, I want to talk about bridging the gap between what God sees and what you see. Bridging the gap. There is a gap in every person's life, every believer's life, between how God sees you 
and between how you see yourself. And there is a constant struggle to align ourselves to see what God sees. And it is possible to see what God sees. And I'm going to show you that tonight. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. As a reminder, uh, you know, this stuff is available on your iPads, iPods, iPhones, whatever device you have. If you go to the Version app, you can... Uh, access this message, all the verses and notes are in there for you to follow along. And so I just want to make that available to you. Obviously, we have the TVs up here as well. So Romans 5 verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. If by the one man's offense, death reigned. Death reigned because of one man's offense. And we know that that was Adam. He committed an offense towards God. He disobeyed God. And because of what one man did, every single person born on the face of the planet, except for Jesus Christ himself, was born into his sin, was born into his disobedience. You didn't have the choice coming out of the womb if you wanted to be a sinner or if you wanted to be saved. You were born a sinner, and you had to make the choice later on in life. That's not a shot that you get to call. This isn't, okay, God is picking a few people, and you'll be born a Christian, and you'll be born a sinner. Everyone is born in sin. Everyone is born in disobedience. But much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So, when you choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life, when you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, rose again for your eternal life, then you receive the grace and the gift of righteousness, and you will reign in life. A lot of us know John 3.16. Most of us, if I said... Quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he uh, gave his only, only beloved son. Who, if, if you would just believe on him, you'd have eternal life. We could all quote that one. But this one, I believe, is just as important or even more important. Because this is not what we hear a lot. Reign in life. Most of us are getting through life or barely making it in life. But this verse says you will reign in life. Now, you notice at the beginning it says, for if by one man's offense death reigned. So what's happening here? The tables are turning. When you were born into sin before you found Jesus, death reigned. Now, to reign simply means to have control. To reign over something means you call the shots. And now that Jesus is the Lord of your life, You won't hear this in a lot of churches, but you control the ability in your life to sin or not to sin, to live according to his righteousness or not. You call the shots. To reign means means that you dictate things, means you have control. That's what it means to reign. You have control. So because of what Jesus did and by believing in what Jesus did and believing in him and believing that he's the son of God, making him the Lord of your life, you will reign in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is what happens when you are saved. This is what happens when you are born again. This is very fundamental. This is very foundational. When you come down to the altar or when you prayed that friend you know, with your parents or, or prayed that prayer with your parents or with a friend, this is what happened. You became a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. The old life, the old way you used to live, the old habits and the old desires you used to have, they pass away. They go away and you become new. Now here's where the, here's the struggle where we all have. This is the struggle we have is that we don't always feel like the old has passed away. In fact, every now and then that old tries to creep back in. Every now and then those old desires and those old habits, in fact, when you first got saved, you probably realized that, you know, maybe later that night or the next day, uh, you were still dealing with some of the same stuff you dealt with before you said the prayer. It didn't all magically disappear. Well, what in the world is this verse talking about? What you have to understand is you are a three-part being. Everybody on the planet is. No one is an exception. Everybody is a spirit being. You are a spirit being. Right now, the person I'm talking to is not what I'm looking at. Period. I'm not talking to the person on the outside. I'm talking to the spirit on the inside, your spirit man. You have a soul. You possess a soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is what you think, what you want to do, and how you feel. That's your soul realm. So you are a spirit being. And you have a soul. You have a way you think. You have a way that you feel about things. And you have a desire to do things. You have a will and a want to. Then the last part is the flesh on the outside. This outside thing that we are looking at. And without your flesh, you can't be in the earth. The second your flesh quits working, your spirit goes and leaves the earth. So your flesh is very important. But your flesh is the old thing. Your flesh is this old desires, old way of thinking, old habits, old person, old man. And you'll see this in the Bible. There's an old man, there's a new man. When it's saying old, it's not talking about age. It's talking about the former and the latter. So you have an old man that was born into this earth, a sinner, and you have a new man. If you are born again, your spirit becomes new. But I don't know about you, but when I said the, the prayer of salvation, I didn't become a different person on the outside. I didn't, you know, have a different color hair and different color eyes and, uh, you know, a different body type. I am the same on the outside. Then what became new? What is the new creation? Your spirit man. Your spirit man on the inside came alive, became a new creation. This is what happens when you pray the prayer of salvation. 
So old things pass away. All things become new. But we're talking about position versus perception. Right now, I'm showing you how God sees you. In essence, you could put it this way. Uh, God has taken a picture of you. He took out a camera, and he took a picture. And I'm showing you what that picture looks like. And for most of us here tonight, it probably doesn't match what you thought you looked like. I mean, you're probably already, uh, you know, seeing a difference in, wow, I didn't know I could reign in life. I thought I was just supposed to barely make it through life. I didn't know I could dictate and call the shots. I, I thought I was just supposed to, you know, do whatever comes to me that day and just just go through life and, you know, praise God all the way while I'm doing it. But, no, God has taken a picture of your life and he sees you reigning in life, controlling life. Using your words and, and, and using your knowledge in the word to control things around you. Okay? Secondly, he's taken a picture of you and he has shown you that you are a new creation. Well, some of you might be thinking, well, man, I still feel like the old creation. I mean, I prayed the prayer of salvation. I'm, I'm born again. I know I'm going to go to heaven. But, man, I, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the same stuff I did before I got saved. I feel like I'm talking the same and doing the same things, I have the same habits and desires, still treating people the same way. I don't, I don't feel like a whole lot has changed there. I don't feel like a new creation. I still feel like the old. Well, God's picture of your life, he says that you are a new creation in Christ, and the old things have passed away. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I got two more references to lay this foundation and then I'm going to show you how to get your, your percep perception to line up with God's picture. To line up with the position that you're in. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Picture. He just took a picture of you. And he says, you are blessed with every blessing. Again, that might not line up with your perception of yourself. That might not line up with who you think you are and what you think. This is talking about resources here. This is talking about what's available to you. And God is saying that I have blessed you with every blessing, every resource, everything you need to make it through life, it is at your disposal. You need finances, it's at your disposal. You need healing, it's at your disposal. You need a, a, a love walk so you can get along with people at work, it's at your disposal. He said that the, the uh, love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That means you have the capacity to love people you don't want to love. But a lot of us, we may not feel like we line up with that. Position versus perception. My perception doesn't line up with the position his word says I am. So what do I do? We're getting there. I got one more passage. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's talking about who you used to be. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Here you go. He's taking a picture again. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What in the world does that mean? He has raised you up. With Jesus. Jesus, when he died, rose again, and he ascended into heaven, God has seated you right there with him at the right hand of the Father. That's a position of authority. That's a position where uh, nothing is above Jesus. Everything is under his feet. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, at the very end of that chapter, Right before he goes into, and you he made alive. He says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And all things are under his feet. That means that he has authority over all things. There's nothing that is above Jesus. There's nothing that's even at his equal level. Well, that's great. That's awesome. But here's what's even better than that. You're seated with him. God has taken a picture of your life and he has taken this picture and it shows that you are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. That means that you should have all authority over everything. That means that you should have control over everything. That means that all things should be under your feet. Okay? So again... Position versus perception. And tonight I want to talk to you about bridging the gap between your position and your perception. Because let me tell you why believers and Christians are losing battles every day. They're not losing battles because of who they are. They're losing because of who they think they are. We're not failing to overcome life situations because of who we are. Because God has positioned us. I just showed you four verses that show you that you are raised together with Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. That the old things have passed away and all things have become new. I just showed you that God said, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Everything you need to accomplish your purpose in the earth, you have. It's already yours. I showed you that, that God has called us to reign in life, not lose in life. Not barely make it through life. 
barely get by life. I just showed you four passages. Then why aren't we winning? Why aren't we reigning in life? Why aren't we living with authority? Why aren't we uh, acting like we have every blessing at our disposal, every spiritual blessing? And notice it's every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's not limited to what you have here on earth. It's in heavenly places. Your inheritance in heaven is way greater than what you can see here today. And it's yours at your disposal. It's your resource. Believers and Christians, we're not losing the battles in life because of our position. We're losing the battles in life because of our perception. Now, perception is simply how you see things. That's what perception is. If you perceive something, that's how you see it. But perception doesn't have to do with what you see naturally. Because I can't, I can't look at this chair and say, I perceive that's a chair. No, I know it's a chair. Because it's literally in front of me. Perception has to do with your mind. Perception has to do with a way of thinking. And so when I talk about you need to change your perception, I'm talking about you need to change the way that you think. The way that we overcome in life is not by being a better person. It's by finding out who we already are. You don't overcome in life by trying to do a bunch of things to make you better. We already know that by works, there's nothing we can do to help achieve everything that God has for us. It's just about finding out what God has for us. It's about finding out. It's about perceiving. It's about getting our mind off of what we see around us and getting it on who we already are who God has created us to be. We're not losing battles because of our position. We're losing battles because of our perception. Watch this here in Ephesians. We're going to stay in Ephesians here and go over a couple chapters to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now Ephesians is written to a church. This is a letter that Paul wrote. Paul the Apostle wrote letters to the churches. He, he would go and he would plant these churches, start these churches in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and, and Thessalonica and, and, and all these different cities. And then when he was away, most of the times he was in prison because he was being arrested for what he was doing. He would write to the churches to make sure they're staying strengthened and to make sure they're staying encouraged in what he founded them in he planted a church in Corinth and that's where we get first and second Corinthians but he found out that they weren't growing in everything that he had established them in so he wrote them a letter to say look you shouldn't be doing this this and this you should be doing this this and this and I taught you all this you need to be living it so here we have a book that's not written to lost people this book isn't written to sinners Ephesus is not written to people that don't know Jesus and don't know how to live according uh, to everything he's given them and, and they don't know, you know how to live this life. These people know. But watch what he says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, 
and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. I need to stop right there. When he says Gentiles, he's talking about people that at this time were outside of the covenant. Basically, he means the world. He's saying you as the church, you as believers, you should not be living the way everyone else lives. And we just spent a whole month talking about separation and sanctification and coming out from among them. And he's saying the way everyone else is living, you don't need to be living that way. Now, he says walk, but that walk, that word walk can be trans, uh, translated live. So if you put live in there, you should no longer live as the rest of the world lives in the futility of their mind. And that word futility means emptiness, means no purpose, and it even means even carries the connotation of you don't even care. I'm sure we all know some people that are just living like hell on earth, and they don't even care. You, you, you hate to see that, man. It's like you just want to get in their face and be like, what is your problem? I saw someone... Uh, on Twitter that I know used to be a believer, and now she's a great recording artist, great recording artist, and just living like hell, man. It's just terrible. It's like, what in the world are you doing with your life? And you once knew, and don't even care. You don't care how you talk. You don't care the pictures you're taking. You don't care what you're doing. There are those that are living in sin, and they don't care. They love it. They want to live in sin as, as, to the fullest. They want to be the world's greatest sinner. And so he's saying here, you, because you know something different, you don't need to be living like they do. Verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God or separated from the life of God because of the ignorance because of the ignorance, that means they don't know. See, the difference between stupid and ignorant, ignorant means you just don't know. Stupid means you don't have the capacity to know. Okay? If I say, well, man, you're just ignorant in that. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying you just haven't learned yet. So let's learn it, and then we won't be stupid. But stupid is you don't even have the capacity to know or you don't want to know. But once you know, you're no longer ignorant. So that's how you get over ignorance. So, I mean, there's been many times, and there's still times in my life where I find out, man, I was ignorant. And, and, and that's, not a, that's not a bad thing for me. It's not a compliment, but it's not, well, man, I'm just a dumb, ignorant person. That means I just didn't know that yet, but now I know, so now I get to apply it I'm not ignorant anymore. Okay, so he's saying the people in the world, look what he says, they have their understanding darkened, being alienated or separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance. Because they don't know. Because of the blindness of their heart. Because they can't see it. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness, with greediness. But what, look what he says in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. That means you know something. If indeed you have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, 
that you put off concerning your former conduct. There, here we go, talking about the old man. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now watch this in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness in holiness. Watch what he does here. He, he goes back and he says, let me remind you of your position so you can have the right perception. Let me remind you who you are. Because you haven't learned Christ the way they did. They're ignorant. They're blind. They are separated from a life of God. They're living in darkness. But you... You haven't learned Christ. You've been taught by him. You've heard of him. You've heard the teachings of Christ. And so let me remind you of the position that you're in. Because you're not a lost person like they're a lost person. You're not a sinner like they're a sinner. Some of you may have even heard that. And some of you may even carry my position in this world is I'm a sinner saved by grace. That is impossible. That is an impossible situation. You are not a sinner. You are a believer. You are a kingdom citizen. You cannot be a sinner saved by grace because sinners sin. You say, well, man, I, I just sinned right on the way over here. <laughs> I just sinned today at work. I just committed a sin. Well, I can bark like a dog, but that doesn't make me a dog. Just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. I don't make a practice of roaming around on all fours, barking and eating dog food. I'm not a dog. I'm a human being. And I may every now and then do something that represents a sin lifestyle, but it's not a practice for me because I'm quick to ask for forgiveness. I'm quick to change. I'm quick to get out of that lifestyle. It's not a practice. It's not a habit for me. It's two different things. If you're saved by grace, then you're no longer a sinner. And I got, I got to preach a whole series. I'm, I'm really booked up for the next couple of years. I'm serious. Because, man, when we get to grace, that's no overnight thing either. And really, the reason... The, the thing that makes it so difficult is I have to destroy everything you know about grace before I even can even start telling you what grace is. Grace is one of the messages today that is the one of the most destroyed messages in, in churches today. It's unbelievable. It's, it's not even in the Bible. We've manipulated and we've made things comfortable and want, made things to sound good. But grace isn't a band-aid that covers your sin lifestyle. Grace is a power to not live a sin lifestyle. But that's for another day and another month and another year. So, what's he saying? Ephesus, church at Ephesus, don't live like the Gentiles. Don't walk like the world. They're in darkness. They don't know who they are. They're separated from a life of God. But you, you have learned Jesus. You know who he is. You've been taught his teachings, and now you have the opportunity to put off the old man, put off the way you used to do things, and live according to this. And in the rest of the verse, I'm not going to read all these verses, but in, uh, in the verses following that, 
verses 25 through 32, he says things like this. Do not lie. Do not be angry. Do not steal. Do not speak evil. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not be bitter. Do not be angry. Do not be evil. He says to be kind. And then you get on down to chapter 5 and verse 1, and he says, be imitators of God. Look at this. Did you know this verse was in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. I didn't make it up. I didn't write it. God wrote it. And it says, therefore, therefore is a connecting word, meaning reflect upon what I just said. Since everything I've just said, therefore, be imitators of God. Wow. There's no higher, there's no higher calling than imitating God, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient one. Be his imitator. He's saying look like him. Represent him. Do what he's doing. Now remember, God's taking a picture of your life. He's already got his Polaroid out. He's got his digital camera. He's already whipped out his iPhone and said, here's what you look like. You are to reign in life. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are seated with my son Jesus at my right hand. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So when he makes a statement, therefore be imitators of God, he's not speaking to how you see yourself. He's speaking to how he sees you. And he sees you with all potential and all ability to imitate him. God would not ask you to do something you cannot do. God wouldn't put something in the Bible that's just completely impossible and, and, and you cannot do. So when he says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, he means be imitators of God, and he means you have the ability to be an imitator of God. But the struggle, my perception is, I can't imitate God. My perception is, I'm a sinner. My perception is, I'm just as lost as anyone out there. I mean, thank God I, I said the prayer, and you know, one day I'm going to get to go to heaven. See, when he said reign in life, he didn't mean reign in a heavenly life. He meant reign in life, here, on this planet, with your years that you're given, reign in life. Be imitators of God. But our perception holds us back. We don't fail to reign in life. We don't fail to uh, uh, accept the spiritual blessings that he's given us. We don't fail to imitate God because of who we are. Because he's speaking to someone that is capable of doing everything that his word says you're capable of doing. We fail to reign in life. We fail to imitate God because of our perception, because of how we see ourselves. Now, what did Paul tell the church at Ephesus, Ephesus to do? Go back to verse 22. Verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. Okay, how do I do that? Verse 23. By renewing the spirit of your 
mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, your mind is where perception takes place. Your mind is where it takes place. How you perceive something takes place in your mind. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice this, if you go back up to verse uh, 17 and 18, that he says that the Gentiles, they walk the way they walk in the futility of their mind. Put that up there again, Jimmy, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk or live as the rest of the Gentiles live in the futility of their mind. Notice this. The world lives the way they live because of an empty mind. We are called to live the way we're called to live because of a renewed mind. Let me put it this way. How you think determines how you live. How you think determines how you live, determines what you do. And those of you that have been with us for a while, you've heard me say it a million times, and it's probably, uh, it, it really is the foundational concept because if I can't get you to think a certain way, I won't get you to live a certain way. If you're struggling with finances and you're living in poverty and just barely making it by, I can't get you into a prosperous life if I can't get you thinking about money differently. If you're struggling with health in your body and, and you don't know that Jesus took stripes on his back, paid a price so you wouldn't have to live in sickness the rest of your life, then you're not going to come out of that. But if I can plant in your mind, plant in your mind and in your heart that Jesus, he took stripes on your back for, your, for sickness and for disease, it's all been taken care of and you just have to claim your healing in his name. Well then, one day you're going to start thinking differently and symptoms are going to try to show up in your body and you're going to say, no, I'm healed. By his stripes, I am healed. By the stripes that Jesus took on his back, he provided healing for my physical body right now, today. Not when I get to heaven, but in this earth. And you're going to start thinking differently. And then you're going to find you're going to start living differently. But if I can't get you to think different, then you're not going to live different. And Paul shows it. The world lives the way they live because they have empty minds, because they have futile minds, because they have no purpose, and because they don't care. But you, you're called to live differently because you are to renew yourself in the spirit of your mind. Renew your mind. Look on over in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, the next chapter over. In verse 8, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you once, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, 
Look, go back to verse 8. Look what he says. Look what he shows you. For you once were darkness, but now you are. Position. Now you are. Now let me ask you a question. If you are light in the Lord, why does he come back and say, walk or live as children of the light? He says, now you are. Wouldn't it be automatic that if you are, then you would do? But no, that's not the case. Just because you're positioned in one way doesn't mean you do what you're positioned. He's letting the church at Ephesus know, this is your position. This is who you are now. You're not in darkness. You're in light. So now live the way you're positioned. Live who you are. Be who you are. Which means that they must have had the opportunity to walk as children of darkness still. They must have still had the capacity in their life to live opposite of being light in the Lord. What's taking place? Here's your position. But you need a new perception. See, that's why it's not good enough to just go. That's why Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. That's not what Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says. And this is why I take my job so seriously. Because he didn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make converts of all the world. Go get a bunch of people saved. Go pray the prayer with a bunch of people and then leave them out to dry. No, he said to make disciples. Disciples has to do with training. Disciples has to do with being taught something. Disciples has to do with changing someone's perception. He's not saying go and position people in the kingdom. He's saying go and position people in the kingdom and then teach them who they are in the kingdom. That's why he says that you once were in darkness, now you're in light. That is your position. That is who you are. But there's still something missing. We have an ingredient that's missing. You need to live out who you are. If you are saved, then you need to live like that. If you are reigning in life, then you need to live like you're reigning in life. It would be like you having an ancestor way, way back die and leave you an account with a million dollars. And you go your entire life and never know you had that account at your disposal. And you're barely making it by and working three or four jobs and you don't know how you're going to take care of everything. And there's been a million dollars sitting in a bank account the entire time. That is how a lot of believers live their lives. Not even knowing what took place when they said, Dear Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you came, died on a cross, rose again, and now I have uh, eternal life with you. They don't even know what they did when they said that prayer. You just got translated. You just got transferred 
out of darkness, into light, out of the world, into the kingdom. What good is it to be in a kingdom and not even know what you have available to you? And so many believers are going through life and struggling with this and struggling with that and and enduring with this and still living with this old thing and still doing this old thing and, and looking just like the world and doing everything just like the world because we don't even know what we have at our disposal. We don't even know who we really are. We don't know who we've been created to be. We don't know what's been done away with and ripped away from us. We don't even know. And so Paul is saying here, you're not children of darkness anymore. You're children of light in the Lord. Walk as children of light in the Lord. Let me tell you, the things that come against you in life, the struggles you go through, the things that are coming against your life and coming against you financially and coming against your marriage and coming against your kids and coming against your job and coming against uh, who you are and your identity and your purpose. And I don't even have a purpose in the earth. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know. Those, those things that come against you, they're not attacking your position. They're attacking your perception. See, the devil knows he can't change your position. You are a son of the living God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are reigning in life. But see, the devil, he operates in deception. Well, they're a child of the king. But if I can make them think they're not a child of the king, then they won't do anything to me. Well, they do have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but if I can keep that hidden, And if I can keep them from ever finding out everything they have, you know why he has to do that? Because he has nothing to fight you with. See, the devil has been whipped, stripped, and defeated. Let me tell you, man, there's so much stuff. You don't fight the devil. If you're going through life trying to beat the devil up, you're fighting a a battle that's been over for years. That would be like us trying to go over to England uh, as United States of America and trying to get free from their tyranny. That'd be like going over to England and trying to bomb them and say, you don't rule us anymore, you don't control us, we want to be our own people. Dude, that war was fought in 1776. That's been over for over 300 years. What are you doing? See, when Jesus came off of that cross... He went down to hell. The Bible says that he made an open spectacle of the enemy. So that means you're no longer fighting the devil. You know who your greatest enemy is? You. (laughs) You are your own worst enemy. Your flesh that wants to do everything against God. Over in Romans chapter uh, 8, Paul said that uh, the, the flesh wants nothing to do with God. It's enmity. That means it's an enemy of God. The devil is is done and over with. That means he doesn't have anything to fight back with. He doesn't have swords. He doesn't have uh, weapons. He doesn't have anything to attack you with. So you know what he does? He deceives you. It's his last thing that he has left. It's all he's got. If I can make you think that you aren't who you are, If I can make you think you don't have what you really have, then I'll beat you every time. 
I could put sickness on your body. But in, and if you don't know that you have healing available, I'll beat you every time. I can attack your home and attack your marriage. And if you don't know how to live a godly marriage and, and how to have a godly home, I'll whip you every time. All he's doing is deceiving people. He's the great deceiver. And the Bible says in Revelations that the day's going to come when we find out who's been deceiving the nations. And we're going to look at him and be like, that? That's who's been deceiving the nations? He's going to be so puny. He's going to be so small. He's not going to have anything in his disposal to attack people with. And we're going to be like, wow, we've let him kick our tail all these years? That's how great it's going to be. And so Paul is saying here that the reason you're losing battle, the reason you're not overcoming in life, the reason you're struggling is because you don't know your position. You don't have a perception of your position. You don't have a mentality of who you really are. Position versus perception. You go on down uh, over into uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. See, the problem is, is our, our perception of ourselves doesn't match who we really are. doesn't match our position. So we've got to find out who our position is. Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. How do we do that? Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. That's what Paul just got done telling the church at Ephesus. Here's how the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. They don't know who they are. They're ignorant. They're in darkness. So what do we do? Don't conform to the world. Don't be like them. Be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. Finding out something in your head that lines up with who you really are. Renew your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renew the mind. This is where we fail as believers is renewing our mind. Let me tell you what you're doing every time you come here. I just want to go ahead and let you know what you're doing every time you come here, every time you come and you sit in the chair and you hear me preach, every time you pop in a CD or every time you listen to someone online or you watch a, you know, somebody on the internet or whatever you do, wherever you get, every time you open this book up, every time you read it, let me tell you what you're doing. You're trying to get this, your mind. You're trying to get your mind caught up with who you already are. You're trying to get your head to figure out everything that already took place here. See, when you were born again, that took place instantly. There's no, pro there's no process. There's no, you got to work it. There's nothing you can do. 
When you said that prayer, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you became born again, your spirit immediately on the inside became a new creature. And the old things immediately passed away. But there's a missing ingredient. There's a spirit, and that immediately became new. But I'm a three-part being. I still have a flesh and a soul. And my soul is still my mind, my will, and my emotions. So what am I supposed to do with those people? My spirit's new. My spirit's a new creation. My spirit's been made new. But what about my flesh? Because my flesh, according to the Bible, still wants to do everything that God doesn't want me to do. So what do I do about that guy? I, I, you know, I sometimes still have thoughts that I used to have before I got saved. I thought this thing was immediate. I thought I became a new creation. What's going on? You just have to get your mind to find out what really took place that day when you said that prayer. When you said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Become the Lord of my life. I believe you died. When you said the prayer, your spirit became new. But the problem is, is we stop there. Well, thank you, Lord, that I'm going to heaven one day. Thank you, Lord, one day you're going you're gonna to build me a mansion. I'm going to have it be next door neighbors to Jesus. Man, he's called you to be better than next door neighbors to Jesus. He's seated you at his right hand, at God's right hand with Jesus. You go ahead and you get your mansion next door. I'm going to be sitting in Jesus' lap, the right hand of the Father. I'm going to be looking over at you saying, hey, you called it, man. But I went with what the Bible said. <laughs> Why? Because we never clued our mind. And when I say mind, let, don't confuse this. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about your mind, your will, and emotion. I'm talking about your soul realm. Your soul realm. We never take care of that. We say the prayer. We, 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 we have people that just preach, get born again, repentance. You need to repent of your sins. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I mean, there's people that can preach it. You could be saved for 85 years and still think you're a sinner and going to hell. There's some people that can preach it, man, with fire. And thank God for those people. But there's more. That's why you're here tonight. You're here tonight, and you'll be here on Sunday, and you'll be here next Wednesday, and you'll be coming, and you'll be hearing, and you'll be reading the Word, and you'll be listening to other services, and you'll be feeding yourself, not because you just want to do it as a religious practice, and this is just what Christians do, so hopefully I can be better the next day. You do it so you can find out who you really are. You're in class. This is class. See, when you go to school, especially when you go to college, you're going in a specialized class 
to perceive and to learn about something you want to do one day. So you're in class. You're here to learn, to find out who you really are, to get your perception to line up with your position. I could be a millionaire, and if I never know it, it does me no good. I could be the owner of a business, but if I never know it, I'll be mopping the floors late at night. The, the perception is greater than the position. If you don't know who you are, you won't ever do anything you're supposed to do. That's the problem that we have. We're losing the battle, not because of who we are, not because Jesus didn't, not because God didn't seat us at the right hand of the Father, not because he didn't cause us to reign in life, not because he didn't give us every blessing. You can't go to heaven and say, well, God, you didn't give me every spiritual blessing. God, you didn't command me to control and have authority over that. God, you didn't uh, uh, call me to reign in life. And he's going to say, I did, but you never found out about it. A couple more verses. Philippians chapter... Oh, just go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We'll close there. I had a couple more, but we're just going to... We're going to wind it down right here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. <clears throat> Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any pr anything praiseworthy, what does he say? Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And then watch what happens in verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me do. And the God of peace will be with you. See, that word meditate, that means to chew on. That means to think on. Here's the problem. God's already taken a picture of your life. God's already got a picture of your life. This right here is your picture. This is his snapshot. The Bible says in James, says that this book right here, it's like a mirror. And you can look at it and you can find out what you look like. You can find out who you are. You can find out. But if we don't ever go to this, then we'll never know. This is your picture. This is the snapshot God has already made of your life. This is the picture. He's already taken the picture. It's done and over with. In fact, the Bible says that he chose you and predestined you before the foundations of the world. You can't change his picture of you. You can't change your position. And the devil knows he can't change your position. So where does he attack you? He changes your perception. Well, I'll beat them down and make them feel like they're nothing. 
I'll make them think that they have to put up with everything I put on their life. I'll make them think that they're going to be a nobody. I'll make them think that they'll never raise good kids. I'll make them think that their marriage will never be restored. I'll make them think that our finances will never be good. That we'll never have enough. I'll make them think that they'll never be rid of these symptoms in their body. I'll make them think that they're a loser in life. I'll make them think that they have no friends. And then I might even be able to speak through other people. And you may have had people in your life that have spoken ill of you. Maybe teachers, maybe parents that said, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to do it. You're never going to make it. You're not good enough. What's he doing? Deception. Deception to change your perception. He's a deceiver. That's what he does. He's weak. He's small. He's puny. He's got nothing. And he wants you to live like him. Because he had his shot. He was up in heaven with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he thought, I can be better than him. I can be greater than God. Who's God? And he got shot down to the earth. And the first person he came into contact with, Eve. Let me change her perception. Let me change her perception of God's word. Let me change her perception of what God said. Let me change her perception. You don't have to. You can eat of that tree. You won't surely die. Deceiver. And he's still doing the same exact thing today. And he wins every time that we don't change our perception. He wins every time. I was going to show you in Philippians chapter 2 where it says, uh, let the mind of Christ be in you. What does that mean? Because Jesus, he had to do it. He had to choose, you know what? I'm not going to listen to the deceiver. I'm going with my position. So when demons came to him, he cast them out. When there was a st- when there were uh, about to die in the midst of a storm on the sea, he stood up in the boat and told it to be still. When sickness came up or when someone was dead, he said, nope, the deceiver wants to make people sick. The deceiver wants to bring death. But I reign in life. God, my Father, has given me every resource that I need to control and to have authority and to reign in this life. And he did. And that verse says in Philippians chapter 2 that he had obedience even to the death of the cross. He stood in his position. He learned who he was. He learned what he had available to him. And it wasn't just because he's Jesus, the son of God. He could have at any moment decided, you know what, I don't care about this. I don't care about this plan. I don't care about this purpose. I'm just a carpenter's son. I wasn't even born in a hospital or a house. I was born in a barn. What am I supposed to do? I'm just the son of Mary. I'm just the son of Joseph. I just build rocking chairs and tables. What am I supposed to do? 
No, he knew I have a position. And he gained perception of that. And he accomplished everything he was called to do in life. So that's where we're at. We got to change our perception. It doesn't happen overnight. But you keep coming. You keep learning. You keep gaining knowledge. You stay hungry. You stay devoted and faithful to the word. And he'll show you. He'll show you. All these things that are coming against your life, they're not trying to get you out of your position. They're coming against your perception. And you can fight it. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, we love you and we love your word. And because we love you, we want to learn everything that you have called us to be. Because sometimes our perception of ourselves doesn't line up with the position you've placed us in. But Father, there is a perception that you want us to have. There is a perception that you've called us to see ourselves. Father, help us see ourselves the way you see us. Help us see ourselves the, according to the picture you've already taken of us, predestined before we even came into the world. May we not let our natural circumstances, our the things that are going on around us, may they not determine who we are. But may we learn your position. May we learn who you've created us to be and do everything you've called us to do because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.